Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The Veterinary Optimist. I am your host, Jennifer Evans. Today, I have Paul Diaz. Paul Diaz is a United States Marine Corps veteran with over 22 years of recruiting leadership experience. As the vice president of veterinary recruiting for one of the nation's largest veterinary employers, he led a team over 1,100 DVM hires in just two years. Paul is currently the founder and CEO of Offer First, a revolutionary startup technology company launching early next year, which will disrupt the recruiting industry by introducing a never before seen level of efficiency and transparency to the hiring process that will change how employers and job seekers engage. Ooh, that's going to be interesting. I hope we get to talk about that, Paul. Give me one second. Let me let me get the rest of your bio out. Paul is also the leading advocate for ending the veterinary non-compete. He's been invited to speak about non-competes on several, several podcasts at IVEECS Emergency Medicine Conference and was featured on the cover of Vet Candy Magazine, where he authored an article about his advocacy to the non-compete. He has been invited to several VBMA national meetings and regularly visits veterinary schools throughout the country to educate veterinary students on employment contracts, non-competes, and other contractual clauses. That was a lot. Paul, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. Oh, I'm glad you're here. Um, Veterinarians, we really, uh, the vet medicine profession in general, really like our acronyms, don't we? My goodness. (laughs) Yes, they do. (laughs) Okay, Paul, you know what? I think we're going to kind of just jump right into this because um, the last part of your bio really is how you and I became friends. Um, I have seen some of your posts that talk about the veterinary non-competes. I, Paul, was one of those humans that worked in a practice where we had non-competes for our doctors. I never, ever thought anything of it at the time, right? And I came across one of your articles where I read it and my first thought was, wow, why did we do that? And um, anytime I think that, I want to know more. So uh, can we just start at kind of the beginning of how did you stumble across this being your passion in the area where you knew that you wanted to to make a massive impact? Um, well, you know, that's a great um, adjective to use because I did just stumble into it. So I spent the majority of my corporate career in California, all right? Um, those 1,120 veterinarians that I was responsible for those that all that work was done in California. And in my role as the vice president, I wasn't responsible for talking to the job seekers. Um, you know, I had a team that did that. So the stories, if any, about non-competes just never bubbled up to me. It was never on my radar. Then when I left that company and started my own business, I was responsible for speaking to the veterinarians. And that's when I started identifying this trend because Every so often I'd get a veterinarian who needed my help looking for a job, but there was this thing, this non-compete that was preventing them from working where they wanted to work. Um, And then towards the end of my first year, I got this call that really just changed the course of my professional life. And it was that doctor that I wrote about, we call her Sarah, who was a relatively new veterinarian. 
Um, she had this incredible experience, you know, through the interview where they rolled out the red carpet, just like every employer does. And they made her feel like part of the family, right? They made all kinds of promises to her. So she signed, didn't even think about what a non-compete meant. Um, and a couple of years into that job, she realized that none of those promises were being kept. Um, the more she asked about it, the worse she was being treated. The, the work environment just turned completely toxic on her. It got to the point where she decided, hey, you know what, it's time for me to leave. And that's when her, her owner reminded her, hey, you know what, don't forget that you signed that non-compete. And that's when she realized, oh, well, what does that mean? And she started looking into it. Luckily, she had a friend who I had helped out previously. Her friend connected her with me. And when she shared her story about that work environment, it, it broke me, you know? And that's when I realized that, hey, nobody is saying anything about this. So it might as well be me. Um, so January of the following year, I announced that my company would no longer support any employer that required a non-compete. And that's when my advocacy began. Mm. That story gave me chills, Paul, because, oh. because there are so many people in practice that I bet experience this same thing. And, 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 and for, for you to be in that moment and recognize that this is what you wanted to stand up for that, that had to have kind of been scary and exciting all at the same time. I would think. It absolutely was, you know, and, and I talked to my team before I made that decision because I knew that it was going to have a major impact on my business. Um, and my team supported me and they stuck with me. Um, and it did have a major impact immediately within the blink of an eye. I went from over 1500 clients to low double digits, you know, so it had a tremendous impact, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. It was the best night of sleep I ever had because I knew that I was doing the right thing. And, you know, I do a lot of, um, you know, if for those that follow me on LinkedIn, I, I consistently post about the hypocrisies in this industry. And I knew that if I was going to do that, there was no way I could make money by placing doctors into non-competes while also calling out the hypocrisies of others who required them, right? It would just make me a hypocrite right along with them. So um, yeah, that's, that's why the decision was really easy for me. Yeah. That's funny because it's, it's, that's what drew, drew me to you, right? Like, you posting that stuff on LinkedIn, you saying those things, Paul, it made me like read it and question how I had showed up for doctors in my life. And anytime that I meet somebody that makes me kind of reflect inward, like I know that I want to know more and I know that I want to, I know that I like surrounding myself with people who open my mind to new things and encourage a new way of thinking. So I was really excited when you said you'd be on here. And, you know, when you talk about your business taking this hit and losing all of your finances, what seemed like overnight, do you, do you ever regret it? Like, do Never, you ever not once, not once. I do not regret it at all. Mm. I, you know, I have a lot of regrets in my life, but that is not one of them. If you were, Paul, if you were to like project and we'll talk, you said, I know we were calling her, did we call her Sarah for the doctor? Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like 
that that non-compete had a mental um, side of how it was affecting Sarah? Uh, yes, I absolutely do. Um, you know, one of the pieces that I didn't share in the article that I wrote, um, actually, I didn't, I haven't shared it publicly until my talk at IVEX um, earlier this year. And the reason I left it out of the story is because uh, I just, I guess I just wasn't brave enough to open that line of discussion. And part of her story was, like I said, about the negative work environment, the, you know, the, just the the day-to-day the -day life that she was experiencing. And she told me how there were some days where she just didn't want to get out of bed. She dreaded going to that hospital, right? And when I asked her, I said, well, how are you coping with this? She said, well, look, I just go, I do the very best I can and I suffer in silence, mm. right? And that's where my article ended. But what she said after that is what really changed me. And she said, you know, the thought of having to go there or the thought of not being able to practice medicine, you know, at times had me thinking about suicide. And that word is an incredible trigger for me because if there's one thing that veterinarians and veterans have in common, it's an incredibly high suicide rate. And it's something that I've experienced. I've got, I've lost many friends to it. And, you know, up until IVEX, I've never even, I've never discussed this, but it's it's a battle that I struggle that I have struggled with. And that is why that's why I fight this battle against the non-compete. It's it's not so I can call out these CEOs and, and point out the hypocrisies in their advertising. It, you know, that that's just a small piece of it. It's the fact that if there's one veterinarian, just one, who's impacted so negatively that they're thinking about killing themselves because the thought of not being able to practice what they love doing, you know, the, the non-compete prevents them from doing that. Well, then this is worth it for me. Just that one, even if there's just one. And that's the point I try to get across to these executives, but they all ignore me. What None is Paul, what is the non-compete do? How does it prevent access to care? How does it prevent... Um, um, a doctor not being able to practice medicine? Like, Oh, that's great. That's a great question. So here's the thing. Um, for example, if I've got a non-compete and I am unable to relocate for personal reasons, right? Maybe my, uh, you know, I, I can't leave my, my mother or my father, right? They're elderly. I've got to be there to take care of them. You have or your kids in a good reason. school that they love and have friends at, and they're in yeah. sports and all of these incredible things that come along with building a community around the place that you live. Bingo, there's so many reasons why I can't relocate. Or you know, some people say, well, you know what? I'll just take an extended commute. Well, you know what? What if I need to be there to pick my child up from school and I can't take that extended commute? I can't take that extended commute and my employer or whomever just won't adjust my schedule, right? There's so many nuances and reasons that people just overlook, right? Because it's not important to them because, hey, I can do it. Why can't you? Well, that's not a good enough reason for me. And that's what happened with Sarah. And that's what happened with several veterinarians that have called me and asking for my help. There's one or several reasons why they just can't move. And here's the bottom line. 
Why should I have to move to take another job? Why should I be stuck in a toxic work environment? I shouldn't have to relocate my entire life, uproot my children, uproot you know, this community that I've built, the, the patients that, that I've seen, that I've taken care of. Why do I have to move? Because you created a negative environment for me. Or you know what, Jennifer? Let's take the whole negative environment argument just completely out of the picture. Let's say I'm a veterinarian and, and I'm performing well. I love my job. Everything is great. The work environment is awesome. But you know what? I'm at that point where, hey, I want that next level. I'm ready to be a medical director, okay? I'm ready for that leadership role. But now my employer, for whatever reason, can't provide that opportunity, right? Let's say there's you know, four or five other senior veterinarians who are gonna be slated for that role. But that hospital across the street they're looking for that new medical director. They want to groom that next that next level of leadership. Well, now my opportunity, my my career gets stifled and stalled because I signed a non-compete. I can't go and take that opportunity. Mm. I mean, what sense does that make? No, and growth is one of the most important things in our life. And it is almost to me the way you describe it, right? Like when you put it in those words, whenever you have that kind of um um view of it, it almost to me sounds like you're taking away the autonomy of a doctor to be able to, to, to actually be a doctor, right? Like you're telling them you don't trust them and that you, you have to be like locked in. And that's a, that's a really uncomfortable situation too. It seems like maybe the the focus should really be on finding ways for them to grow within your company and finding ways for them to not want to leave because you're really focused on the people inside of your practice and you're not necessarily focused on all of these outward um, ex- distractions, right? Like I recognize that the the, the finances are, are supported by the pet owners. I, I fully honor that and respect that. But I also believe if you take care of your people, they take care of the company. And I think there's a lot of places that should simply just turn inward and and focus on that and everything else will come once once that's been their focus. And here's the thing, I, I firmly believe that what goes around comes around, right? So like all these employers that require the non-competes, you'll see them advertising how much they care about veterinarians, but what they're really saying is we only care about you if you're making money for us, right? That's the only time we care about you. Imagine an environment where an employer would say, hey, you know what? I know we can't provide the opportunity you need. And I know that you're an up and comer, right? You're that go-getter, you're a high performer. So instead of stifling your career, I'm gonna support you going and taking that job, right? And hey, you know what? If you've got questions, if you need advice, if you need mentorship, right? That buzzword that's going all around this industry, call me, I'll help you be successful over there. And what ends up happening is you gain, you have employees, right? Past employees who demonstrate pride in being from your company. And that is the best thing ever, right? Mm. And those employees, when somebody's looking for another job, they're going to recommend you. They're going to say, hey, that was a great place to be, right? The only reason I'm not there is because I, you know, they had a promotion here, but- They had some growth opportunity that served. Mm. I mean, the, the, the environment would just be so much- It would. I'll give you my example, Paul. I'm sorry to interrupt. Let me give you this okay. example really quick because it speaks to exactly what you're talking about. I've got a dear friend of mine who is- um, very talented in the behavioral aspect of animal medicine, very talented to the point where she has 
built her own side business working with other places because we all know the toll that having behavioral issues with your animals can take on the human animal bond, right? Like, and she's very successful, but she has kept a portion of her part-time job in a place where there is a non-compete, right? And now she's been there for so long, she's ready to make this jump and grow and focus solely on, on this behavioral um, aspect. She loves her place that she lives. She loves the people that she lives by. And because there's this non-compete, she can't have anything to do with surrounding clinics and still be happy, like part-time employed. She And she can't leave and be able to do it and be able to have a working relationship because there's going to be this discomfort and really like it would be a cool thing for them to keep her as part-time and her still be able to go around and help many other places work on behavior for their animals you know she's in a tight spot and it's really hard to watch yeah i mean and, and that's a very common story you know it, it it absolutely is a very common story and that's what i'm trying to end you know it's just I'll, I'll give you a, a great example of something that just recently happened. This this uh, practice owner was trying to defend his non-compete. And this is a classic defense that I've dismantled several times. And he said to me, well, you know, if I, if I don't have a non-compete and one of my veterinarians goes to the hospital across, everybody uses this hospital across the street. I've never seen the hospital across the street though, but, um, if they go to this hospital across the street and then take all my patients, right? They take all my clients. Well, number one, if you're relying solely on the doctor to create that differentiated client experience that builds loyalty to your brand, well, then you failed as a business owner. But what I said to him that stopped him in his tracks was, so when you hire another doctor, are you not gonna welcome the clients that follow that doctor? And he was just silent. He didn't know what to say. Because like I said, what goes around comes around, right? It's a wash. And at the end of the day, what this industry used to be about was taking care of animals, right? I've said it a hundred times, veterinarians are the most compassionate humans walking this earth. But that compassion also leaves them vulnerable to be taken advantage of. And today, this industry isn't necessarily about taking care of animals. It's about making money. And that is the priority of all of these companies that require these non-competes. It's all about money. Mm. You got my ears perked up. Listen, I'm all about, I'm all about um, um, getting back to showing up in a way where we're purpose-filled and optimistic about our days in veterinary medicine. And I think a big shift has to happen there. And um, I, for one, am hands down supporting the individuals that are supporting that. And that that's definitely something that I know for certain. So is that one of the biggest things that you hear whenever you confront people about the non-competes or is there like, what's the most common response you get when you say you need you, why do you have a non-compete? Oh, it's, it's the old, you know, I don't want my doctor to open a hospital across the street. Right. That, in, and I don't know about you, Jennifer, but I've never walked out of a veterinary hospital and seen another one across the street. Right? Well, it just doesn't happen. But I mean, I lived in Dallas, so there you probably could have looked and turned your head far enough and saw one. But I also believe that like, the more we're a community, the more we're going to support each other, um, the more we're going to live a fruitful life. And I think being 
um, in a mindset of, to me, it feels like neediness, right? Like I need this doctor. I'm going to make sure they stay with me when I, when I, now that you and I've had a couple of conversations, I think that's kind of how I feel when I think non-competes now, right? Like I, I I think it's a needy mindset for me. I don't think you will ever truly be successful in a way that feels good to us as veterinarians. If you stay in a needy mindset, um, and so I, I think there's definitely space to just throw these non-competes right out the window. I, if it, I, I kind of feel like that's the way that my, my thought process has been, has been changed. And I give that to you because my first thought to it, Paul was, well, that's the way we've always done it. And I am a huge advocate for, if I answer something, that's the way we've always done it. I need to problem. hear somebody out because I clearly need to learn more about new ways. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Mm. So what's your next step? Are you going to keep going? Are you going to keep, you going to keep just fighting the good fight? Yeah, I have to. This is, uh, this is, this isn't something I can walk away from at this point. Um, so we've got the, the FTC's vote comes in March. Um, from what I'm hearing, they're confident that it's going to get passed. But the thing is, is that after that passes, after that vote happens, we're probably still, I mean, 18, 24 months away from anything happening. I mean, and that's, I'm purely speculating on that. I don't know how long it's going to take for them to pass that law, but I would have to reasonably assume that it's going to be that long. But at the end of the day, um, you know, if if the federal government stepped in and ended this, I'd be happy. I'd, I'd be happy with the result, but I would also be very critical. I'd be very self-critical and I'd look at my efforts and say that I, I, I would tell myself that I failed because my efforts have been focused on educating and empowering the veterinarian to make this change themselves. Yes, I I support the federal government's efforts. I hope they they step in and make this change. But what I want to see are the veterinarians standing up for themselves and saying, end this non-compete, right? And I think um, if that were to happen, then yes, then I would... I would be able to celebrate, um, and this effort would be completely worth it. Um, new graduates, that's where I'm focusing a lot of my efforts right now because I firmly believe that if these employers got to the point where they realized they couldn't hire a single new grad, the non-compete would be non-compete would be nothing more than a bad memory. Right. Mm-hmm. I think those new graduates are incredibly powerful. They've got incredibly loud voices. But the thing is, is that and, and here's the discerning part is every time I speak at a university, and this is not an exaggeration, 100% of the time that I've spoken at a veterinary school, I've had members of that audience come up to me and say, nobody has ever said this to us before. And that to me is an even bigger problem, right? So that's going to be something that I'm working on right now. I just came back from a university where I was speaking with the dean um, and I believe that he's very supportive of what I'm doing and he's uh, he's going to help me make this change. Mm. So, and you know what? Basically, it's to protect those students because these these are starting your career with a non-compete is the worst thing you could possibly do. It's the most damaging thing you could do to your career. I expect these new grads to bounce around. They should. They And I I would encourage them to bounce around and find that employer that is the exact right fit and it's going to enable you to 
to advance your career and thrive and, and live that happy, that happy life that you've always wanted, but you're not going to find it in your first shot. I mean, some might, but that's so unlikely. It's so rare. It's so rare. Like people need a little space to like grow and learn. And then once they do that a little bit, they figure out a little bit more what they want. They can adjust a little bit like that's life in general. So I completely agree with that. And I've worked with a lot of new grads too, through many different aspects of, of my time in vet medicine and, and their first couple of years, like they're, they're just getting their training wheels off and, and you want to allow them to grow in a way where they follow their like passion and journey. And like, there's something really cool about that. Well, how do people, Paul, how do you people, um, support you? Like what, what's something that somebody can do to help support you? If they hear this and they're like, man, I really like what he's saying. What's something that somebody can do? All you have to do is just share this information. Just, you know, let it be known that you're not going to sign a non-compete, number one, right? Um, And once the people connected to you see that, they'll start doing it. Or they'll talk to you about it and you can explain your why. And just keep spreading this message because the more people talking about it, the better, the the more likely we are at influencing change, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and we need to end the, these hypocritical statements. Stop buying into it, right? Mentorship is the biggest buzzword in the industry. It has been for years. But here's the thing. Mentorship is a relationship. It's not a checklist, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're a mentor, if you're a veterinary mentor and you are not concerned about the best interest of that mentee, well, then you're doing them a disservice. If your mentorship is geared towards, hey, I need to make sure this person stays with this company and does what this company wants them to do, you're not a mentor. You're a pawn. And that's what drives me absolutely nuts. I ask, when I see people post that they're the veterinary mentorship for one of these companies that require non-compete, I ask them, well, then are you advising these people to sign non-competes with your company or are you advising them not to, right? Because as a mentor, you should be telling them what's in their best interests, not in your company's best interest. Mm. I love that you push the envelope, Paul. I really do. I love that you're fighting for for the people in the clinic. I really do. I'm grateful. Oh. I'm grateful for you. I know that you use words throughout this conversation of if I can't hit this goal, failure, if this doesn't happen, you know, lot loss or 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 that, that mindset that you have with some of the things that you're doing. And I, and I want to take this second to make sure that I point this out. Um, I truly believe that you're in this to change one, one thing at a time and to help one person at a time. And I, and I hope that, you know, that as long as you're doing that, you're, you're winning no matter what. And I have a feeling I'm not the only person who's expressed how, impressed they are with your ability to put yourself out there and to fight this fight. I know you, I I know that I feel like you've told me of a couple of situations of people reaching out to you. I personally know people that have reached out to you that have nerves of supporting you in public because this is such a tender spot. Right. But, but I know you get those messages and I hope you know that each time you get that all you're doing is winning. All you're doing is winning, no matter what. If it stopped right now, every single time you got one of those messages, it was you winning. And I'm grateful that you're fighting this fight. 
I'm grateful that you care about the people in the clinic. I'm grateful that you've had this mission put on your hands and this passion, because when you talk about it, I can feel it. And I'm really um, excited to see where you go from here. And you've got a friend in me, that is for sure. I appreciate that, Jennifer. I, I truly do. And you're right. Those messages that I get, they're the ones that keep me going. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, I just, I want to see this industry back in the hands of the people it belongs to. And that's the veterinarians, the technicians, the practice managers, the kennel attendants. It's it's the people that have their boots on the ground in those hospitals day to day, touching the patients, caring for the patients, and consoling the pet parents, right? Those are the people, those are the heroes, and those are the ones that this industry belongs to. It's not the pencil pushers sitting in those fancy offices. I'm sorry, it just isn't. I, you know what? Well, Paul, and this is where I push back a little bit, right? This is where I will... um, um kind of where mine differs a little bit. I believe that there are good people out there. I believe that there are good companies out there that want to do this. Um, but I also believe that there has to be action behind that. And I look forward to seeing the companies who who really start to look at their people and want to do it for them. I look forward to the changes they're going to make. And I, and I feel like it's possible. Um, and I'm grateful to be like standing side by side with you, turning inward, fighting for them. And I I hope that this isn't the last conversation that we have together because I would love to bring you back and just kind of keep up on your progress of how this is going and in ways that that things are kind of moving and changing for you. You know what? I, I couldn't agree more. I don't think that was pushback at all, Jennifer, because you're right. There are incredible companies out there. The, you know, the modern animal, the veg, the rare breed, the pet goes, right? And Talk to the leaders of those organizations and they'll tell you that, you know, those people in the hospital, are the ones that come first, right? So they're saying the same thing I'm saying. And they they built successful companies without non-competes. Mm, I these, agree. Uh, these, these companies that require them, the, you know, the, the, the VCAs, the Mars families, the Thrives and all them, guess where they also have very successful practices? California, where they don't have non-competes, but yet they still have incredibly successful businesses. So, I mean, it just makes no sense. And when I get silence from an executive who who can't defend, who can't defend their own requirement, that tells me that they know it's wrong. They know it's wrong. Yep. So this won't be our last conversation, Jennifer. And I have to admit, I, I'm I'm honored to be here. A lot of people told me to reach out to you. And, you know, I was honestly afraid that you might have thought that I wasn't optimistic enough to be on your podcast. So I'm really happy to be here. And um, I look forward to, to doing this again with you. Yeah, no, I totally I think you're the perfect person for conversations like this, because I think we're both optimistic about change that can happen. And, and for all the right reasons. So Absolutely. all right, well, then here's to our next episode. I'll see you next time. Absolutely. Looking forward to it.